Deuteronomy 29. These are the words of the covenant which Yahweh commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab. In addition to the covenant which he made with them in Horeb, Moses called to all Israel and said to them, Your eyes have seen all that Yahweh did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. The great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders, but Yahweh has not given you a heart to know, eyes to see and ears to hear to this day. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not grown old on you and your sandals have not grown old on your feet. You have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink that you may know I am Yahweh your God. When you came to this place, Sihon the king of Heshbon and Og the king of Bashan came out against us to battle and we struck them. We took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of the Manassites. Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. All of you stand today in the presence of Yahweh your God, your heads, your tribes, your elders and your officers, even all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives and the foreigners who are in the middle of your camps, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant of Yahweh your God and into his oath which Yahweh your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as his people and that he may be your God as he spoke to you and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Neither do I make this covenant and this oath with you only, but with those who stand here with us today before Yahweh our God and also with those who are not here with us today. For you know how we lived in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the middle of the nations through which you passed, and you have seen their abominations and their idols of wood, stone, silver, and gold, which were among them. Lest there should be any among you, man, woman, family, or tribe, whose heart turns away today from Yahweh our God, to go to serve the gods of those nations, lest there should be among you a root that produces bitter poison. And it happened that when he hears the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. To destroy the moist with the dry, Yahweh will not pardon him. But then Yahweh's anger and his jealousy will smoke against that man, and all the curse that is written in this book will fall on him. And Yahweh will blot out his name from under the sky. Yahweh will set him apart for evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant which is in this book of the law. The generation to come, your children who will rise up after you, and the foreigner who will come from a far land will say, when they see the plagues of that land, and the sickness with which Yahweh has made it sick, that all of its land, its sulfur, salt and burning, that is not sown, doesn't produce nor does any grass grow in it, like the overthrow of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama, and Zeboim, which Yahweh overthrew in his anger and in his wrath, even all the nations will say, Why has Yahweh done this to this land? What does the heat of his great anger mean? Then men will say, Because they abandoned the covenant of Yahweh, the God of their fathers which he made with them, when he brought them out of the land of Egypt, and went and served other gods, and worshipped them, gods that they didn't know, and that he had not given to them. Therefore, 
Yahweh's great anger burned against this land to bring on it all the curses that are written in this book. Yahweh rooted them out of their land in anger, in wrath and in great indignation and thrust them into another land as it is today. The secret things belong to Yahweh our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Deuteronomy 29. We've now got past the terms. We've now got past the agreement. We've now got past the sanction. And we're now starting to wrap up the book of Deuteronomy. So Moses is now commenting again. And he talks about the law that you got at Horeb and this law at the plains of Moab. So the law at Horeb, that's Mount Sinai. That was way back in the book of Exodus. And now this law at Moab um, some people have tried to say, well, it was obviously two different laws. It, it wasn't two, it was one. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy means. Deutero means two or second, and nomar is law. They're Greek words, so second law. It doesn't mean the second law as if there's like a different one, but the second time they heard the law. So the first group of Israelites, the Mount Sinai, they all died in the desert. But these are now all their children, and they weren't there, most of them, at Sinai. Some of them might have been little children, you know, under the age of 18. But now this is a new group and they're being given the law again. And so that's what Moses is saying. The law at Sinai and the Mount, Lord Horeb, make sure you'll keep it. It's the same one. And then Moses gives them, he, he says some interesting things. In verse 4 he says, You have seen all the Lord has done for you. You saw what God did in Egypt. You saw how, you know, he's caused your feet your shoes not to wear out. So they've seen all these things, they've experienced them, but he says, you have not seen. Your heart does not see, your ears do not hear. So we've got an interesting comment by Moses. He's saying to them that though you've been surrounded by the Lord's blessings, though you've experienced what he's done for you, the eyes of their hearts are closed. And it's actually a, a human problem. This is something that happens in churches. You can have people that, that are born into a Christian family. They grow up in church. They're a part of church life and they see things the Lord's done. They, they witness miracles. They witness healings. They witness answers to prayer. The grace of God is on their very own life. And so even though they experience it, they don't see it. They don't see that God has done for them. And you have people that, that leave the church. They complain. And so the, their hearts are closed their ears are closed, their eyes are closed. And so it's possible to be surrounded by the Lord's goodness and to see none of it. And um, in Ephesians 1 verse 18, Paul wrote to the, you know, not just the, the, the church of Ephesus, but it was a circular letter to lots of churches. And he wrote and said that he prayed that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. <laughs> in other words, he was praying for them to actually see and um, once you see the Lord, everything changes. You start to see him in the Bible everywhere. You see him in your life everywhere. You see him at work. It's, it's incredible. It was like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, you know, in Luke chapter 24. And they were with Jesus, but the Bible says they didn't recognize him. And that's like a lot of Christians. Jesus is with them, but they just don't see it. But then there came a moment in that story in Luke 24 where it says that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. 
That's what we're praying. That's what we're saying here. Moses was saying that God was with them doing all these great things, but they just didn't see it. Well, could be that that's the case for you too. It could be that the Lord's doing a lot for you that you just don't see. So we need to pray. It's the need of every believer. It's your need as well. In verse 15, Moses um, makes a comment and he says that this covenant is for you, but it's also made with people who are not here today. And what he was saying was that the covenant that was being made was for the children of these people who weren't even born yet. And this is the way that God works. If you think about Adam, Adam fell into sin and infected everyone. We were not there physically. We didn't make those choices, but we fell into sin when Adam fell into sin. And now God made a covenant with the Israelites and it affected all of their children, even the ones who weren't born yet. And it's, it's an interesting thing to consider because when you make a choice to follow the Lord or not, this is going to have implications in the lives of other people who are not born yet or the lives of other people who are born yet, who are friends of yours. The choices that you make are going to have a rippling effect through the lives of many other people. And that's a scary thought. And it means we want to make sure we follow the Lord sincerely and with a whole heart because our choices affect the lives of other people. And then Moses warned them in the end of this chapter and he said, you know, that there's going to be people that are going to look at this land and say, why has God cursed it? And he said, it's going to be like the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if you go to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah today, of course, they're not there physically anymore. But if you go to the part of the world where they used to be, it's all desert. It's at the very bottom of the Dead Sea on the left-hand side, the western side. It is full of salt and there's sulfur pits there and it's, it's a really terrible part of the earth. It's below sea level. And you look at it and you think, what a terrible place to live. Now, do you remember... Um, that way back in the book of Genesis, when we did those videos, there was a point where Lot and Abraham's um, flocks and herds had grown so big that they couldn't stay occupy the same land and their shepherds started fighting with each other. So there was a part in the story where Lot looked up and saw the green grass of Sodom and said, I want that part for me. And off he went. So Lot went off to Sodom because it looked like a great place for his flocks and herds. Well, that's not at all what the countryside is like today. But the thing is, in the story in the book of Genesis, when the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, all that fertility was gone. It was He rained down salt. I mean, the place is, is salt everywhere. You can't grow anything in salt. It's just destroyed. As far as agriculture goes, it's hopeless. And, um, well... That's what Moses is warning about in this chapter. He says that when people don't follow the Lord, it's going to be as obvious as Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> when you imagine in the time of this, going to the area of Sodom and Gomorrah and looking at it and saying, man, this place is lifeless. And when the Lord puts his hand on something to destroy it, he does a good job. And um, so all of these things are supposed to be impressionable upon us and cause us to say, you know what? The Lord knows how to bless people who love him. And when the Lord's blessing is removed from people, it's really a big problem. And um, sometimes people question the Lord and they say, why would the Lord do those things? Why would the Lord destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Why would the Lord bring all the curse, these curses upon his own people? And sometimes people question God's intent. 
But this chapter finishes with a very interesting verse. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. And there are some things about the Lord we don't understand. They're the secret things. And, um, but in the end, we, we come to the conclusion and we say, you know what? God is all wise. He knows things we don't know. And our hearts must trust him because he has only good in store for those who love him. And so one day we're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be with him in eternity. He's an infinite God. And we're going to start to get to know him. There are things about God that are so far beyond our comprehension, it's impossible for us to understand right now. But in the course of time, we begin to understand our God. And that's what heaven's for. That's what eternity is for. It's forever with God, getting to know him every day, discovering something new about who he is. You think for a minute about a little baby that's born that knows nothing. Imagine trying to explain to a baby something as wonderful as, say, sex or something as complicated as, say, the internet, the baby's got no chance. Well, you know, it's no wonder the secret things belong to the Lord our God because we've got no chance of understanding them. But one day, we'll be with him. Sin won't be a thing anymore. Our hearts will be for him. We'll be with him in all eternity and we'll begin that process of getting to know the Lord our God. It'll be terrific and I'm looking forward to it. So, Father... We close this chapter again and we thank you that the secret things belong to you. We want to get to know you and Lord, we don't want to wait until eternity. And we know that there's far too much to you to, to, to take it all in now, but Lord, show us yourself. We want to pray that prayer of Paul, open the eyes of our heart. I pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know, to see the Lord our God. I ask that we would see, that we would hear, that we would understand. Give us these graces in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.